Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I'm your host, Toby. Today, I'm going to wrap up part two of the first base preview, looking at guys going after pick 240 on average. I'm also going to do a Reach Charles segment on the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, or TGFBI. Uh, If you want to track it on Twitter, it's hashtag TGFBI. Um, And give a shout out to Justin Mason for pulling the competition together. He pulled it together last year uh, for the first time, and it's already grown. Uh, And putting it on on NFBC uh, this year, I think, has just taken it to another level. So uh, uh, kudos there. I'll also discuss my first four picks uh, in the competition. I am uh, lucky enough to be in the Champions League. I'm having uh, tied for first place with Brant Chesser of Baseball HQ in last year's uh, TGFBI. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about my strategy and what I was thinking about going into the draft, how that changed as the draft developed. Um, And then uh, in terms of previews, uh, next up, I'm going to tackle uh, second base. We'll just make our way around the diamond as these things uh, tend to... uh, as these things tend to happen, uh, and then we'll cover outfield and, and, and pitchers, starting pitchers and relief pitchers. So uh, be, out, uh, uh, be on the lookout for those previews. I'm going to try to make them, uh, get them out fast and furious since, you know, we're running out of time before most people are going to have their uh, drafts. We've got about a month, which is just nuts to think about. Um, I also want to just take a moment to um, thank everybody who had reached out to me via Twitter about the last episode where I remembered my dad and his impact on my love for baseball. Um, He passed away on Valentine's Day. And so, you know, I I debated whether or not to, you know, do something on the podcast, but it just, uh, it just felt right to kind of share a little bit about, um, you know, about him, uh, about me and, and, and my love for baseball and where I'm coming from. And so uh, it's just meant a lot uh, to have people reach out, you know, either by response, replying to the podcast when I put it out or uh, DMing me their condolences and, and even, you know, some folks sharing some of their own personal experiences. Uh, it really means a lot. Uh, I mentioned on here about how fortunate I feel to be part of the fantasy baseball community and hearing these messages of support has really uh, made the process easier and, and, um, you know, and, and so I, I really just want to give a huge thank you um, to folks. Nobody needed to reach out um, to me, but so many people did. Um, and it really does. It really does mean a lot. And I think, um, you know, as, as we grieve, I think those types of messages of, of support and just that, that people care and people are paying attention uh, mean a lot. So thank you very much for that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy. Uh, YouTube, just search for Batflip Crazy. The blog is batflipcrazy.com. If I'm honest, I have not, outside of Twitter, I have not been super active, which is a little disappointing for me because, um, you know, this is the time when people are most looking for uh, analysis uh, and content, and I haven't been able to provide that just uh, with uh, with the move from Washington State down to California and uh, everything going on with the family, I just wasn't uh, wasn't able to do exactly what I wanted to do so far. But hopefully, I'll we'll go out with a bang here in the last month. Uh, if you do like what you're hearing on the podcast, please do go to iTunes and leave a five star rating and review. Uh, the reviews, especially, um, you know, are 
uh, are great. I just love uh, learning more about how people feel about the podcast. So I really appreciate folks who have gone out and done that. If you do enjoy the podcast, please do uh, go and do that. I greatly appreciate it. Earlier in the off season, I was uh, I was doing profiles. I was letting people who left reviews uh, profiles. Um, but you know, since we're running out of time, I want to get folks the most important content at the most important time of the year. So I'm not offering that currently. Um, but you know, if you like it, go on there. We're a small podcast. It's me talking into a microphone. Uh, and occasionally being joined by guests who talk a lot better into microphones um, and, you know, anything that you can do to help uh, help get us in front of other people, I would really appreciate it. All right, um, let's, uh, let's wrap up this first base preview. It's an interesting position this year. Um, and yeah, let's, uh, let's take a look at that. Um, and yeah, let's, let's get this party started. All right, I'm going to pick up where I left off in the part one of the first base preview. Um, As I mentioned on the last podcast, I actually recorded the next nine people on the podcast uh, before realizing that that the app that I used to record the podcast had cut out uh, like a little while before. So um, anyways, that's all right. Uh, because the first person I'm going to take a look at is Jake Bowers, who uh, thus far in draft season is pretty much uh, the love of my life. Uh, I have him, I believe, on every single team that is not uh, a dynasty league. Um, Jake Bowers, uh, he his projection right now, uh, 598 plate appearances, 75 runs, 19 home runs, 73 or excuse me, 75 runs, 19 home runs, 73 RBI, 13 stolen bases with a 247 batting average. Uh, that is good for a $12 valuation. Uh, going on a, at an average draft position of 240, uh, that is a $6 pick. And so we are looking at uh, a $6 value, which is right up there among the highest values in first baseman. The thing that I love that's great about Bowers, too, is that he is both first base and outfield eligible, which is really nice um, as you head towards the back end of drafts. Gives you some flexibility to um, look at the best player instead of uh, necessarily needing to target a first baseman, a corner infielder, more likely, actually, uh, or an outfielder. So that's one of the things that I love about Bowers. I also just love Bowers. Uh, Anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I have... Uh, expressed my love for him uh, throughout uh, the end of last season and this season. Uh, He's a guy who everything looks really, really good in the profile outside of the contact skills, and they aren't that bad. Uh, Towards the end of last year, he was pretty consistent in having an O swing around 25%, so well better than league average, so he's got really good plate discipline. Fly ball rate was right around 40% as well, and his hard hit rate was at 40% too. The Z contact, in-zone contact, was hovering around 80%. Uh, high 70s, which isn't necessarily where where we want Bowers to be, but he's shown throughout his time in the minor leagues with uh, lower than league average strikeout rates that contact hasn't been an issue 
so far. And so I'm hoping that that will uh, kind of improve as he sees more major league pitching. The other great things about Bowers, you know, number one, I think he's going to have a really solid position in the Cleveland uh, batting order. Uh, they are pretty light after Lindor, uh, Ramirez, and Carlos Santana. And so it looks like Bowers may actually find himself uh, batting fifth. Um, in that lineup. That is what roster resource, at least the last time I had checked, uh, had him listed as, which would be a boon for uh, his RBI totals in front of, uh, or batting behind two OBP studs uh, in Jose Ramirez and Carlos Santana. So that is really nice. I also like the fact that Bowers hits the ball hard in the air. Um, His hard hit fly ball rate uh, is well above Uh, 40%, and he also pulls a ton of those fly balls, which works really well uh, in progressive field. In Cleveland, we've seen how um, Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez were both guys that didn't project to a ton of power, uh, but by pulling the ball hard in the air and with a lot of volume of fly balls, uh, they've been able to turn into 30 home run guys. And so, you know, obviously uh, Bowers may not have the same pedigree, at least as Lindor, but he's already shown the ability uh, to do what uh, Ramirez and Lindor have done, although uh, it is in a small sample size. Uh, so that's Jake Bowers. Next up, we have Josh Bell, first baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates, ADP right now of 246. Uh, his projection is 557 plate appearances, 68 runs, 18 home runs, 69 RBI, four stolen bases, a 268 uh, batting average. Uh, that's good for an $8 value uh, with a $6 uh, draft slot. So a $2 value for Josh Bell. You know, I think the, the plate appearances for Bell, uh, unless he really struggles this year, I think he's got the first base job uh, pretty much all to himself in Pittsburgh. So I think the plate appearances at 557 is a little bit low. He's also likely to bat in the middle of the, of the Pirates lineup, I think. And so I think RBI opportunities at least will be there. Uh, the real question is whether he hits for some power. Uh, I think where he's going right now, uh, you know, it's, it's not a lot of risk. Uh, I think there's the possibility for a decent amount of reward uh, if he can hit for some of that power and bat in the middle of the lineup. I also think there's a little bit of, uh, and there's some room there for the batting average too, I think, to go up. He's, he's generally been a solid contact, solid plate discipline guy. Uh, and so, you know, I like, I like Bell where he's going uh, right now. Uh, as a potential late round corner infield. Uh, CJ Crone uh, is up next, uh, 256 ADP. Uh, His projection is for 489 plate appearances, 63 runs, 24 home runs, 70 RBI, uh, three stolen bases, and a 261 uh, batting average. Uh, That is good for a $9 valuation, and that 256 ADP, that is a $5 draft slot and so he's giving you uh, what rounds up to to or rounds down to three dollars worth of value uh crone is a guy there's a ton of competition in minnesota they've got so many kind of first base dh uh, types uh, but crone is a guy I like a lot last year on tampa bay outside of a, a really bad stretch he had uh, towards the middle of the year he looked uh he looked pretty good and it's easy to forget that you know he's never really had consistent plate appearances in the big leagues, and so there I think there is a little bit of room potentially uh, for um, some some improvement as he sees more of that uh, pitching. The nice thing about Crone is while he is kind of one of these big home run 
you know, slash RBI, at least if he gets the plate appearance type guy, uh, the batting average isn't that bad. Um, you know, the, the projection is at 261, so better than league average. So getting him, you know, with a neutral batting average where he is going right now in drafts, I think he's another guy who uh, could be worth, if, if you're looking for a corner infielder utility type towards the end of uh end of the draft or you know middle late in the draft rounding out that roster uh, I think you could do a lot worse um, than uh, CJ Crone. Uh, Tyler White is up next uh, average draft position of 260. Uh, his projection is at 512 uh, with 63 runs, 21 home runs uh, and 69 uh, RBI, three stolen bases, a 255. Batting average, that's a $7 value, or valuation, excuse me, going at a $5 pick. So about a $2 value uh, for Tyler White. I think White, a lot of his value obviously rests in, you know, is in is in the context, right? He's going to be hitting um, in an Astros lineup. Uh, he's likely to uh, get reps uh, at, at first base. Um, and he is a guy um, who has a really nice combination of plate discipline. Um, so an O swing that's well better than league average, uh, below league average in this in this instance. Uh, and his his contact rate is also really nice. Uh, where there are some issues is with the the quality of the ballot batted balls. He's got a decent barrel rate, but he hits a ton of pop ups. So kind of these infield fly balls and lazy fly balls to the outfield that. Um, have a pretty good, are pretty predictive um, from year to year. Um, and so, you know, that's a little bit of a concern uh, for me. But again, where he's going, I think, you know, you're looking at, uh, for most of these guys, very little risk uh, and potentially a lot of reward if he can kind of replicate uh, the beginning uh, of last season when he was on fire. He, he cooled down towards the end, but uh, Tyler White is certainly an interesting flyer as a corner infielder uh, slash utility type. Uh, Peter Alonzo, he hit his first, uh, he hit a home run in his first uh, at bat uh, in spring training, which is totally meaningless, but is something. Uh, I think it might have even been the first pitch. Obviously, the dude has a ton of power. He's projected right now for 471 plate appearances, 55 runs, 21 home runs, 64 RBI, two stolen bases, and a 235 batting average. Uh, that is a $3 valuation going at a $5 ADP. Obviously, if the plate appearances change, uh, he could go up. You know, Alonzo gets uh, obviously, you know, a ton of. A ton of press being a New York uh, prospect, but also because of the tremendous power he has. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't see that. I don't have the tool in front of me, but I imagine he's like a 70 uh, in terms of his uh, his power, and, and that's really what uh, is I think is driving you know a lot of the interest in him. Uh, the one thing that I found really interesting in his interesting in his profile, since I'm you know I'm I'm kind of trying to catch up on the prospect end of things for some for a dynasty league I'm in, and just because it's super interesting and and more and more an important part of uh, the fantasy game. Uh, but is that Alonzo actually Actually, outside of AAA last year, had a decent strikeout rate. He uh, was not a guy who has held really high K rates throughout the minors. Now, he is kind of an older prospect. I think he's either 24 um, or 25, uh, likely to make his big league debut uh, this year. Uh, 
so he's a guy again I think you know there's um you know there's there's the risk that he just doesn't play much if at all but you know the reward could be uh you know upwards of 30 home runs this year and so that's just something again you know this is kind of like a I feel like I'm a I'm a broken record just playing on repeat but a lot of these guys I think after you know Josh Bell are a lot of them you know are kind of empty uh, power power bats that you're kind of hoping to catch lightning in a bottle or at least like have a you know a decent a decent um uh you know to uh to to improve on what they've been able to do so far in their major league careers uh, on the end of the other end of the uh, of the spectrum is Jay Bruce, ADP of 271, projection of 436 plate appearances, 50 runs, 18 home runs, 58 RBI, two stolen bases with a 236 uh, batting average. That's a zero dollar value going at a five dollar pick. I think the plate appearances might be a little low for Bruce. He obviously missed last year with injuries, and I think that explains a lot of the lack of production. But before that, he was a very consistent home run and RBI producer. Uh, I don't see a ton of competition for him uh, at first base with the Mariners. I think the Mariners are going to put Edwin Encarnacion in the DH role. Uh, So it is possible maybe that they put Encarnacion in the field sometimes, uh, maybe against uh, lefties, um, and, uh, and keep Bruce out of the lineup. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, the Mariners will be trying to increase his trade value potentially. And so I do think that they're going to give him a, a pretty decent run. So I think there are, you know, I think there are better picks uh, at this point in the draft. I think there are also worse picks at this point in the draft. If you're really desperate for power and you need a corner infielder, um, you know, to round out that squad uh, or else you're looking for maybe some position uh flexibility with first base and outfield, uh, then I think uh, Bruce is a guy who might be able to um, help you out a little bit. Uh, Nico Goodrum, um, he has dual eligibility, first base and second base, which is a really nice combo. The challenge with Goodrum is that he, uh, with the signing of Josh Harrison by the Tigers, I think that may uh, move Goodrum from a guy who is going to get pretty much everyday starts to a guy who's going to be rotated in and out. Uh, pretty similar, I think, to last year and how he was treated. Um, but he was a surprise last year. He does have kind of a power-speed combo. Projection of 521 plate appearances, 59 runs, 15 home runs, 57 RBI, 12 stolen bases with a 240 batting average. Uh, that is a $4 value going at a $5 price. Again, the plate appearances, it may be right, um, but it could be whittled down a little bit with the addition of Josh Harrison. I think, you know, if you do need, you know, power, speed, uh, and position flexibility uh, towards the end of a of a 15-team draft, you know, maybe he is a guy that, um, you know, you may want to look at. I think he's dropped a little bit um, in, in, in the most recent drafts that I've seen. But, you know, 12 stolen bases and 15 home runs is not... Uh, nothing. I do think the batting average, given you know some of the concerns around his contact skills, uh, could be an issue, as the projections indicate. Next up is Yonder Alonso uh, for the White Sox, uh, ADP of 290. Uh, he has a 512 plate appearance projection, 58 runs, 20 home runs, 63 RBI, one stolen base with a 244 batting average. Uh, Alonso is a guy who loses. Uh, value I think in weekly leagues because he just really can't hit uh, left-handed uh, uh, p- 
pitchers. And so in weekly leagues, you know, he's a guy that you're going to need to mix and match. Um, if you do, I mean, in full weekly leagues, it's really hard to play him uh, unless it's a very deep ale only league. Um, if he is, um, if it's, you know, like NFBC style where you have a change in lineups in the middle of the week, uh, then that could provide an opportunity. You know, it, it, it reduces the reduction in his value a little bit. In daily leagues, he has a little bit, you know, in deep uh, daily leagues, he has a little bit more, um, uh, he's of a little bit more interest, uh, you know, because you can kind of play him against right-handed pitchers. But I think we've seen the best of Alonzo and, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that uh, that he's really a guy that I'm going to have uh, on any of my teams. Uh, next up is a guy that I do like, um, you know, really intriguing uh, where he's going. Uh, ADP of 322, that's Ryan Zimmerman. 482 plate appearance projection, not surprising uh, given his struggles with injuries over the years. Uh, 61 runs, 21 home runs, 72 RBI, two stolen bases with a 263 batting average. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to see him just one year removed from that career year, uh, which had him going much higher uh, up in drafts. Uh, Zimmerman last year, you know, the the results weren't that good because of injuries, but he's still a, a really good hitter. Uh, his exit velocity uh, and his barrels per plate appearance were among the best in the league, um, as was his exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. He still hits too many ground balls, um, but... You know, going at an ADP of 322 with the hit, the track record that he does have, you know, he's a really, really intri- intriguing pick. That projection that I rattled off, that's an $8 valuation at a $2 draft slot. So $6 value, one of the best, actually second best to the guy that I'm going to be covering uh, uh, next. And so Zimmerman is a really intriguing uh, late round pick, especially in, in leagues where you have a DL. He's the type of guy that you can just kind of you know, play him when he's healthy, and then when he inevitably hits the DL, just stash him there, and it doesn't cost you as a reserve uh, pick or somebody on your bench. Um, you know, in in NFBC, for instance, it's a seven-person bench, no DL, and so those types of slots are 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 tough to hold on to for too long. Uh, but Zimmerman is a guy that I like going late as you know a reserve round pick. Uh, if not, you know, if you're desperate, like corner infield uh, or utility, matching him with somebody else. Uh, Brandon Belt uh, is actually the highest value um, uh, tied with somebody I'm going to cover in a couple picks uh, for highest value in a draft. Uh, 587 plate appearance projection, 71 runs, 20 home runs, 70 RBI, four stolen bases with a 256 uh, batting average. Obviously, Belt has struggled with injuries, uh, most recently concussions uh, throughout uh, his career. Uh, but when he plays, he's really good. And it's just unfortunate that his skill set uh, plays half its game uh, in a- AT&T Park in San Francisco because the dude pull, uh, hits a lot of fly balls. He hits a lot of hard fly balls and he pulls a lot of hard fly balls, but he just does it into like the worst, uh, unless you're Barry Bonds, the worst place uh, to hit home runs. Uh, that that, that uh, line that I gave you, that projection is a $9 valuation at a $2 cost. So he's a $7 value going at a pick 324. So again, a really nice corner infield possibility here um, if, uh, if that's what you, you need late in drafts or a reserve round uh, guy. Um, he's, he's certainly of interest. And I think if he were to get traded uh, to a better situation from a stadium perspective, uh, he could be uh, even more uh, valuable. Uh, next up, 
is Ryan O'Hearn, uh, first baseman for the Kansas City Royals, ADP of 339. Uh, his projection is of 513 plate appearances, 56 runs, 19 home runs, 63 RBI, two stolen bases, and a 233 uh, batting average. That's a $2 valuation on that projection, uh, a $1 pick. And so he is bringing you a little bit of value. I think the challenge uh, with O'Hearn for me, I I liked him a lot towards the end of last year. I had him in pretty much all of my deeper leagues um, because of the power surge that he was on. You know, I think there's some really nice things about his approach. The plate discipline is really nice. Um, you know, he doesn't make terrible contact for uh, a slugger kind of like he like he is. Um, I think the challenge with him is going to be whether he plays every day or whether he is platoon versus lefties. Um, if he is platoon versus lefties, again, you know, the same thing that applied to La- Yonder Alonso. In weekly leagues, it makes him a little bit more challenging. Um, if uh, He does have good plate discipline. So in OBP leagues, you know, he, he's... He, definitely bumps up his value considerably. Um, He, you know, in weekly leagues, that would make it challenging in, you know, uh, changes on the weekend, you know, it makes him a little less challenging. And then in daily, you know, he's a guy, if you've got a deep enough bench, you can kind of stash and plug him in when he plays against righties, especially in the AL Central. Next up is a guy that I like a lot where he's going right now. I'm going to have him, or I want to have him in a lot of my draft and holds, and in general in my leagues. Um, His ADP is is shooting up uh, because he does have a job uh, as a starter with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that's Wilmer Flores. His projection is of 540 plate appearances, 61 runs, 20 home runs, 72 RBI with a 274 uh, batting average, which is very nice. That's an $8 value. Uh, the pick at uh, ADP of 373 is $1, so that's $7 worth of value tied with belt uh, for the most uh, return on value. I think tied with belt and maybe Gallo. I can't remember from the first part whether he was a six or a seven dollar value, but uh, really nice there for Flores. Flores is a guy with a really really interesting approach with the Mets. You know, a high contact guy. Um, he, um, you know, he even had a decent plate discipline, uh, hitting the ball hard. Uh, I remember there was a little period last year where you know his his contact was really high. He was hitting the ball hard and he was hitting the ball. Um, in the air a decent amount, um, you know, so so there are the component skills there, I think, for a guy who could really contribute, especially going where he's going, so um, he is a guy I would uh, I would be very interested in rostering as a reserve pick, um, and even, even as a corner infielder, uh, to be honest with you, and I believe he is scheduled to play second base, maybe, uh, with the Diamondbacks, uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, that would that would give him dual position eligibility, which would be uh, which would be really nice, um, really really nice. Next up is uh, um, Justin Bohr, uh, ADP of three eighty two, uh, projection of three hundred ninety plate appearances, forty eight runs, nineteen home runs, fifty five RBI, uh, one stolen base, a two fifty batting average. Um, that's a one dollar value. Or that's a one dollar valuation at a one dollar pick. You know the the hope would be that Bohr with the Angels. You know if Pujols can't go on a regular basis, that Bohr either gets you know right-handed pitchers, or if Pujols does get injured, uh, that he sees you know a bulk of of plate appearances. You know, uh, you know Bohr is definitely of interest, um, but I think you know the profile obviously isn't very unique and. You know, I don't think the ceiling is that 
is that high? You know, we saw we saw what he was able to do, you know, with the Marlins when he was getting regular playing time uh, in 2017. You know, I think that's kind of uh, the ceiling uh, that we are uh, looking at, which would not be terrible, obviously, getting him where he is. Uh, but, um, you know, there's some guys like, you know, Ryan McMahon is next. You know, is Ryan McMahon going to get plate appearances? You know, probably not. Uh, but you know, if I was going to say which which guy between Bohr and McMahon was likely to take make a jump into the top 150 of hitters next year, you know, I'd definitely go with McMahon just because of the because of the upside. Uh, so uh, Bohr going there, you know, again he's likely to be a platoon bat. So the same. Uh, the same caveats apply. Uh, Ryan McMahon uh, is next, an ADP of 395. Uh, His projection is at 462 plate appearances, so maybe he can win that second base job. 54 runs, 14 home runs, 56 RBI, five stolen bases, a 261 batting average. Uh, That's $3 value valuation at a $1 pick, so a $2 value. Obviously, you're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, I think, with McMahon. Uh, picking him up here. Maybe he gets the second base job, uh, wins that over Garrett Hampson, or gets a bulk of the plate appearances, um, and you're able to to take advantage of you know um, some of the skills he's shown in, in the minor leagues. Uh, Albert Pujols is at 440. You know we're we're getting into the to, to the dredges. I'm actually not even going to cover uh, Pujols. You know. Uh, He's this. The rest of the guys are negative value guys. You know, Albert Pujols, Chris Davis. Um, you know, Colin Moran is somewhat interesting just because the batting average um, isn't terrible. So if you're looking for a late source of batting average in daily leagues, one thing that you could think about doing, and again, like, you know, it's easier said than done. You got to have a decent sized bench. But if you want to grab Mitch Moreland and Steve Price. Um, together, uh, you know, their uh, combined total uh, is 93 uh, runs, uh, 27 home runs, uh, 100 RBI, and two stolen bases with like, you know, a 250-ish batting average. Uh, and so, oh, excuse me, no, a higher batting average than that. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at two lines simultaneously right now on my spreadsheet and trying to add them together, which is well beyond uh, my skill set. Um, not something I developed in the fantasy baseball analysts uh, minor leagues. Um, so uh, Moreland is at 249, Pierce is at 267. Uh, so you know, not a great batting average, but um, at least uh, at least something. Uh, then when we look at some other guys lower down, uh, guys like Ryan Healy. You know, will he get plate appearances, you know, maybe against lefties? Uh, Matt Adams, will he get plate appearances against righties instead of Zimmerman? I think that that's doubtful. If Zimmerman gets hurt, it may open up an opportunity for him. You know, and he's shown that he can be really good in stretches. Um, But for me, he hasn't shown that he can be kind of an everyday uh, contributing guy. Uh, John Hicks is somewhat interesting uh, because he's got catcher eligibility as well. So if Miggy gets hurt and he finds himself in an everyday first base role, that could be really nice um, from a catcher perspective. But again, you know, you're kind of hoping for something to land there. Uh, Tyler Austin is a guy that if you were able to get plate appearances would be decent. He always has a really nice barrel rate, but 
you know, nothing so far. You know, I guess one guy that I would kind of call attention to um, out of the remaining folks is Ronald Guzman of uh, the Rangers. You know, Guzman is a guy that I track pretty closely because I had him on my dynasty league for a while. Um, and you know, he, he's, he's kind of interesting, you know, he's a big guy, you know, uh, I think he's got decent raw power. Um, but you know, he, he's never really been able to hit for it, but he didn't have a terrible, uh, rookie season, um, uh, last year. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, last year, you know, 235 batting average, not great, but 16 home runs, 46 runs, 58 RBI, uh, in 428 plate appearances, you know, his projection right now, like the bat has him at 555 plate appearances, 246, 1862, 64. It's not obviously not going to help you a ton, uh, but I think it is at least a little bit interesting. And he's a guy who's got a really good in zone contact rate. He swings too much outside the zone, but I just, I just feel like Guzman's a guy who, if he could put it together, uh, could do something, um, special. And so, you know, if you're looking late, 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 late round drafts, uh, in, in your drafts, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's going higher than that though. Where is he going? Uh, ADP. I don't have it in front of me. Well, anyways, Ronald Guzman is a somewhat interesting, interesting guy. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up for, you know, the first base preview. I think generally speaking, I mentioned this in the intro of, of part one, but first base to me, you know, it's very top heavy. I think once you get beyond, um, you know, uh, well, I would say, you know, there's obviously the Goldschmidt-Freeman, you know, kind of duo at the top there, which is, you know, really nice. If you find yourself with either of those players, you know, I, I don't think you can, you're, you're going wrong. My preference is Freeman because of the batting average, you know, and the trend of stolen bases, but that's not a huge thing. I think Rizzo, you know, at the top is probably the best value where he's going. You know, I think recency bias has pushed him down draft boards a little bit to that ADP of 39 when he's normally kind of a mid-second rounder, if not a late first rounder. Uh, and I think, you know, he's the same skill guy. Bellinger is a guy, you know, uh, in my uh, TGFBI draft today, I actually had a chance to draft Bellinger and I went with Xander Bogarts instead. You know, it's not because I don't like Bellinger. I think he's worth value. I mentioned that, you know, $22 valuation on his uh, you know, his projection, uh, he's giving you $1 value at a $21 draft slot at 44. That's actually exactly where I was drafting. I don't believe in the power as much, but I believe in the speed more than the projection a little bit, but it's just the batting average. And for me, Xander Bogarts, I think is a guy who can hit 300, who can hit, you know, in the two nineties, he's going to have a really nice batting average. And I think that gives him a, a much more solid floor and ceiling uh, than Bellinger right now, unless he comes out of nowhere and hits, you know, 280, 290, which which based on you know the underlying skills I just don't see happening. And then I think Votto and Abreu I'd consider, you know, in in a similar vein as, as guys who are going in the first, you know, 100 picks who are values, Matt Olson as well. I think there's a couple traps there with Matt Carpenter and Jesus Aguilar who aren't really going to help. And then I think Joey Gallo at least in single, you know, in satellite leagues or or leagues that don't have um, you know, your, your home league that doesn't have an overall prize, um, for across leagues like the NFBC. I think Gallo is a really interesting guy 
to target, especially if you have a solid foundation in batting average and you're willing to give that up a little bit for what Gallo provides, which is $6 worth of value high up in the draft, you know, 42 home run projection, 101 RBI, 88 runs. You know, that's just really nice. And the projection's at 222 for his batting average. I don't necessarily think he's going to get to that. He never has. But if he, even if he gets up to 230, 240, my God, that would be really, really nice. Um, And then I think there's a lot of the same, right? There's a lot of guys who are kind of like, eight dollar to fifteen, you know, eight eight to twelve dollar guys. You know, the exception for me in terms of like kind of pockets of value, Eric Hosmer, I think where he's going right now at 165. I actually picked him up in one of my draft and holds uh today. You know, fifteen dollar value, five dollar value in the middle, you know, mid mid one hundred picks, I think is really nice. Um you know, Luke Voigt is a guy who I like a lot in terms of having a ton of upside. Doesn't necessarily show up in the projection, uh, but I think he's in a really nice situation. I think he can contribute. Uh, Carlos Santana is a guy, uh, you know, who, especially him and Justin Smoke in OBP leagues, you know, I think are guys that you can kind of count on for what they're giving. Santana is literally like an 80-20-80 guy. Just lock it up. It's just a question of how low the batting average is going to be, and he's not going to give you uh, stolen bases. Um you know, Jake Bowers, again, love of my life. I love Jake Bowers. I love where he's going. I love, love everything about uh, the way he's positioned for this year. And then after that, you know, it's a lot of kind of shots in the dark. I think Brandon Belt and, and Ryan Zimmerman stand out as kind of late round values uh, for me, as well as Wilmer Flores. You know, those are three guys that I'm targeting towards uh, the end of drafts. All right. So that has been the first base preview. Uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, for listening to that, I hope that was helpful uh, just to kind of go over the projections, where there's value in the ADP, because I think that's that's really the game, right? You know, it's easy to say, you know, Paul Goldschmidt is better than Carlos Santana. I don't think anybody's going to necessarily argue for that. Obviously, that's not necessarily like a full, fair comparison, but, you know, in a lot of it, what we're talking about is value. And so if I'm, you know, looking at first basemen who uh, can bring um, – you know, who can bring value uh, as much as possible. You know, I'm looking at, you know, Brandon Belt, $7 value, Wilmer Flores, $7 value, Joey Gallo, $6 value, Ryan Zimmerman, $6, Jake Bowers, $6, Eric Hosmer, $5, Carlos Santana, $5, right? And so those are the types of guys, you know, at least in the middle and late rounds, uh, I think um, that, that, that you should be targeting. And then, you know, if you are going to go after first base early, I would definitely try to get it on that, on the front side there on, in that, you know, first, uh, five or six guys, at least from a, from a valuation standpoint. So, you know, Freeman, uh, Goldschmidt, Rizzo, uh, Votto, Bellinger, Abreu, and, uh, Olsen, and then Gallo, if you can, if you can make it work, those are kind of the guys that I think I like, um, of the, uh, of the better, uh, first baseman. Today's Reach Charles is a shout out uh, first and foremost to Justin Mason for uh, pulling together the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, Last year was the first year of the Great uh, Fantasy Baseball Invitational or TGFBI Um, and it was awesome. It was on fan tracks. I think there was uh, more than uh, 200, close to 300 uh, fantasy uh, baseball analysts um, who participated in that. 
Um, I was very fortunate uh, to come uh, in tied for first uh, with Brant Chesser from uh, Baseball HQ in our league, League 11. Uh, I think I finished uh, around, I want to say 25th overall or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly. So got a little bit lucky, if I'm honest with myself, that I was able to win uh, the, uh, the league or at least tie. Um, I also uh, closed a gap of like five points uh, in the in the, on the last day. So lucky, lucky to def, to be in the in this Champions League for TGFBI, which is all the winners um, from last year's competitions in a single league. Um, but you know, so that was that was year one. It was awesome. It was a great job that Justin did. You know, pulling that all together, and now this year it feels like the the great fantasy baseball invitational has taken another step forward. There's even more people who are participating this year. I think there's you know like close to twenty or even more um, leagues of people who are participating in it. Um, it's moved over to the, to the NFBC, which is really nice because it's a format that I think a lot of people are um, used to playing. You know, it may not be everybody's favorite, but it's two catchers, you know, one utility spot, uh, nine pitchers, you know, no relief or starting pitchers, uh, seven bench spots and no DL. And uh, and so, you know, but there's a lot of folks who, you know, newer folks who are really good fantasy baseball players who are playing this year. And so I think the competition is just going to be even more fierce and you know, seeing everybody kind of, this is TGFBI day, this is the first day that we're doing things. I think it just speaks volumes of the incredible work that uh, Justin uh, has done in bringing this together uh, and giving folks, you know, a lot of enjoyment, especially folks who, you know, may not be as well known in the industry, uh, but who want to show that they have the chops to play, you know, in some of the some of the most competitive leagues uh, in fantasy baseball. So uh, definitely a Reach Charles shout out to Justin Mason for pulling it together. I thought it might be uh, of some use to talk a little bit about uh, uh, my draft. So as I mentioned before, I am in uh, the Champions League, um, uh, which is composed of all of the winners of last year's uh, leagues. Um, as well as a couple of the folks who finished really high up who were in second place. So there's 15 teams, and the competition is just, um, you know, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty incredible. You know, folks like uh, Smada, a bunch of folks from Baseball HQ, uh, Ray Murphy, Brian Rudd, Brian Slack, um, uh, Brant Chesser, you know, who, who I was in a league with last time. Uh, other folks, uh, um, Heath Caps, uh, Matt Trust from Razball, um, Eddie Amalguer from uh, Prospects Live, uh, Frank Stamfel from, um, I'm not sure exactly which, uh, which group he's on, but I know that he, he does uh, the radio on, on um, uh, he has a Patreon and he does radio for uh, the Fantasy Sports Network. Um, uh, I think it's uh, John Hegland who works at Baseball uh, Prospectus, um, Kenyatta Storin who works at Number Fire, um, uh, James Anderson and Clay Link uh, from Rotowire, um, and then Adam Ronis from uh, from Scout Fantasy. And so, just you know, everybody in the league um, is just you know, everybody's really good. And so, I went into the competition knowing that you know. In some drafts, you go in and you you know you may think you know for instance for me Yasiel Puig is a guy 
um, that I have been um, uh, following uh, really closely, um, or not, not somebody that I've been following really closely. He's somebody that I like a lot. Uh, this year. Uh, I like the change to Cincinnati going to a, a, a favorable hitter's ballpark um, and I think getting full-time at-bats. Obviously injuries have been a problem for Puig but you know there's um, you know he, he just contributes and he's a guy I think that can go 30-20 if he's able to get 600 plate appearances and I like the Reds lineup this year a lot. So an example would be you know Puig's ADP over the last two weeks in the NFBC is like I think pick 78 or something like that. Now I got the 14th pick. So I'm picking 44, 47, 74, and 77. Now in in another draft that I was in, an NFBC, you know, 50 team draft and hold, um, I, you know, I was actually doing a doing kind of a mock run through of where my position is and I had the fi- I had the 15th pick so I was I was right at the wheel and you know in this draft I actually didn't pick uh, Yasiel Puig uh, at 45 or 46 hoping that he would fall to me at 75 76 because I think you know a lot of people with Puig you know they I, I, people don't give him credit I think he's you know he is kind of a very um a controversial figure, I guess. I hate to even uh, say that because the dude just plays with excitement. He bat flips. Um, from from all you know accounts, at least recently, he, he has been a great teammate. And so, you know, in that league, I wanted to see if he would fall back to me. You know, and he actually did. He fell to me at uh, seventy five, which I was really, really pleased uh, to have happen. But in this league, like I knew that that wasn't going to happen. Number one, I follow a lot of the guys who are on here. I know that there's a lot of love for Puig out there. And so, you know, in my projections, um, and by my projections, I just mean like an aggregate projection of existing projection systems. Yasiel Puig is the 45th best hitter, um, in, uh, in, in fantasy or not, not hitter, uh, player. Uh, in fantasy, um, and he's uh, his projection is for a 271 batting average, 80 runs, 29 home runs, 85 RBI, and 14 stolen bases. That's a $21 value. Now, for me, I think the batting average at 271. I think you know I'm not I'm not going to be betting on anything higher than that. I may even think that it's a little bit lower. But I think Puig will bat in the heart of that Reds lineup. Uh, I think the runs will be there. I think the RBIs will be there. I think uh, from a home run perspective, you know, he's put up, I believe, uh, 28 and 30 home runs the last couple years. His projection is at 29 in 516 at-bats, um, 14 stolen bases. Last year, he had more than that um, in fewer at-bats. And so, you know, I think that there is upside to be had in both the counting stats, uh, the home runs, and the stolen bases, especially the stolen bases. So, you know, so this is a guy who already is the 45th best uh, fantasy baseball player, um, you know, according to uh, the valuation system that I am using. And, you know, and so he's worthy of the pick. And I do think that there's upside to be had there as well. So that's just like an example of how the level of competition kind of plays in your thinking. There is no way in hell that Puig would make it back to me um, at 74 in this current league. There's at least three or four guys in the league who have already, you know, either written about or tweeted out how much they like Puig and and he just would not get back to me. You know, that type of power speed combo, you know, without a, you know, with counting stats, I mean, you know, that is that is fantasy gold for me. So that's kind of an example of how playing in a league like this factors in. 
Now, I was super bummed out to get uh, the 14th draft pick. Um, you know, the 14th draft pick is, um, uh, you know, in this year, I think the biggest challenge with having a late round pick is that you're forced to either reach um, on a starting on a starting pitcher on a good starting pitcher um, or um, you know go hitter hitter and miss out on all of the what I would call kind of tier one starting pitchers and you know what I like to do this year is to take one hitter and two starting pitchers uh, at the beginning of my drafts and that's that's nearly impossible because you know if you unless you go pitcher pitcher in the first round which I was probably which I was most likely going to do um you know, unless you do that, you're looking at, you know, starting off your rotation with Patrick Corbin um, or James Paxton. I just didn't feel comfortable necessarily doing that. Uh, you know, I think Corbin, you know, and Paxton, they both have really good skills. Paxton, obviously, you know, the innings is a major question. I think Corbin, the innings pitched are, are less of a, a question mark for me. I just think that there's some give there in his, in his, in his whip. Um, and, you know, he's moving to a new situation with the Nationals. Um, and you know, I just, you know, he's only done it one year really. And so I just would, I just wasn't necessarily uh, going to be comfortable with that. So I was really bummed because this was my 14th choice. I think I got either 13th or 14th choice in the Kentucky Derby, uh, selection. And so I'm, I'm, I'm at the end. And so heading into the draft, essentially what I was thinking was, you know, I either want to be able to create a solid batting average and stolen base foundation, i.e. Jose Altuve, uh, because a lot of the guys that are going, you know, like Trevor Story is a guy I like a lot. He's got power. He's got stolen bases. The batting average is decent. But, you know, Jose, a, a healthy Jose Altuve, you know, is like a 320 batting average guy. I mean, up until last year when he was injured, you know, that's what you, that's what we were really, um, you know, looking at for him. And so, um, you know, he was really the guy that at 14, I wanted to get Jose Altuve. If I did not get Jose Altuve, I was hoping um, that, you know, I mean, I didn't think Jacob deGrom was going to fall. And so what I was hoping was, was that Chris Sale would fall there. I would nab Sale, you know, at 14, uh, Brant would choose you know, either two hitters or one hitter and one pitcher. And then I would grab either Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole on the other side of that, starting off with a really solid two pitchers. And then on the back end of that, I would go, um, you know, ideally I would come away with Chris Sale and Justin Verlander in that instance. Uh, but, you know, uh, more likely I was thinking it would be, it might be Cole there as well. Who's my number five pitcher? My pitchers this year would be Scherzer one, Degrom two, uh, Sale three. Just because of the injury concerns, I think on a pitch, on an inning by inning basis, I think that Sale is is the best pitcher. But you know, I think there's enough of an injury concern to bump him a little bit. My number four is Verlander. Number five probably Cole. Number six uh, probably Trevor Bauer. And so um, you know that's what I was thinking how it was going to happen because I've been trying to get shares of Jose Altuve because I just love him, you know, the stolen base, batting average, you know, just kind of five category contributions. 
uh, for him with, with his two best contributions uh, coming from the two scarcest categories. I've been trying to get him in other drafts, but he had been going early um, or too late. Um, you know, so like I had an earlier pick and I, I didn't want to nab him there. Um, you know, I wanted to get like Mike Trout when I had the number one pick. Uh, when I had the 12 pick, he went, I think, number 11. So, you know, just things like that happening. And so I was really excited when Altuve fell to me. Uh, and so I was going to go Altuve, especially after Sale went off the board, because um, I otherwise I would have gone Verlander Cole, um, hoping that uh, Brandt wouldn't have cho- chosen uh, one of the pitchers, which he didn't. He went Machado and Goldschmidt. So that's kind of what I was thinking going in. I was pretty certain that I was going to go pitcher, pitcher, which had me nervous, but um, you know that's what I was thinking. And then in, at 44 and 47, the whole time I was looking at Xander Bogarts and Yasiel Puig. Um, so Altuve's uh, projection, I have at 583 at bats, a 311 batting average. I think the average will be higher than that. Uh, 94 runs, 18 home runs, 81 RBI, 21 stolen bases. My hope is I don't have a ton of hope for the home runs being that much higher, but I am hopeful that the stolen bases might creep up into the mid-20s and that the batting average will be 320 or above. I think that would give me a really, really nice start um, to the season. Um, So that's kind of Altuve. Verlander is a guy that I was targeting. I've been hoping to have on a team. I have him on two teams now. You know, he's obviously older, and so there's some concerns with age, but the velo has kept up. And last year, his skills really surged towards the end of the year. He's got really nice first pitch strike and zone rate, so he's not going to walk a ton of guys. The swinging strike rate got up into the 16% towards the end of the year. He's got a really nasty curveball slider. Uh, combo and then the fastball is just really really nice and then if you look throughout his career even when he quote unquote struggled it was still 350 era type stuff outside of one year and so i feel really confident there and i think the wins will be there pitching on a houston team that i think is going to be uh really good and so that's kind of the, the the thought on verlander cole i like a lot as well he's obviously younger um, you know, my only concern with uh, Cole is that he has had more of an injury history, um, you know, with his arm. Um, I think he had Tommy John. Uh, and and so there's, there's that little bit uh, of concern. And then the skills weren't as good as Verlander. Um, you know, he doesn't... Um, you know, he's got uh, the, the fastball and the slider, which are really nice, and the curveball as well, which are his three primary pitches, Cole. Uh, but the skill, the underlying skills aren't as good, and the, um, uh, the walk metrics aren't quite as good as Verlander's. And so that's why I was going to go, uh, that's why I was leaning Verlander over Cole. I, I also have Cole in a couple places, and so, you know, diversifying a little bit, uh, Verlander would have been nice there. But, you know, TGFBI is really one of my top leagues that I'm paying attention to, so... Um, I was going to go Verlander. I have Verlander as a $31 player. Um, and, and so, you know, really nice there. You know, Altuve, a $26 player. So a nice little start there. Uh, I love Xander Bogarts heading into this year. He's got a really, really nice profile. He made some really nice adjustments last year. Everything that you want to see. Improvements uh, in his uh, in his O swing, so more uh, better plate discipline. His Z contact remains a borderline elite, above ninety percent in the high high eighties, low ninety percent, which is really nice. His hard contact was up as well, and his ground ball rates were down. He was also injured last year, you know, and so he injured his ankle, and um, you know, and so the stolen bases were down a little bit. I think he can get into the mid teens. He's also heading into his free agent year. And so not that that necessarily impacts, um, 
you know, his performance because he's he's always trying hard. But, you know, maybe it does give him some incentive to run a little bit more, um, you know, than he might otherwise just to show that that dimension to his game. And so he's a guy I think is going to hit for a high batting average. I think he's going to produce runs because um, he's decently fast. I think he has the potential to hit 30 home runs. I think he has the potential to lead the league in RBI, you know, because this is a guy who's going to be batting behind uh, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, and Andrew Benintendi. There's very few positions in baseball that are better than that. Um, And then, you know, the stolen bases I mentioned, you know, he's stolen 20 bases before. And so hoping that he can get maybe 15 and split the difference uh, would be really nice. Then I talked about Yasiel Puig. Obviously, it's early on, but Puig is my 45th ranked, uh, 45th ranked hitter. Uh, the other guys, you know, who who gave me pause, I guess you would say. I don't know if they gave me pause. This is even with Bogarts. Uh, Cody Bellinger was available here. You know, I like the speed power combo. I like the first base outfield eligibility, first base especially since it isn't that deep. Um, you know, but I just love Bogarts this year, and so he's a guy who had a solid projection. I actually overdrafted him. I think he was like fifty uh, third or something like that on my rankings. I got him at the forty four spot. But I, but he's he's got a projection that I like him to, um, I like him to uh, do better uh, than the projection. So uh, that is that is why I went there. And then Puig, I talked a lot about Puig and what I love about him. So essentially, I've got you know starting off with three twenty dollar hitters um, at least, uh, and then Verlander with the thirty one dollars. You know, a little bit concerned about pitching. You know, um, and where pitching will be available. Um, you know, and so that's something that I'm going to have to navigate. Uh, I think, and look for values to be had. It may be uh, something where I need to go, you know, maybe need to draft more starting pitchers than I generally would. Um, not necessarily early on, but just get guys who I think will will be solid. Um, you know, maybe not spectacular, but get more solid guys than I think spectacular guys because I didn't get nab those two uh, ace starting pitchers. You know, maybe something will fall to me, you know, at 75 or at 105 that I really like, but... You know, the, I, I'm I'm doubtful there, so that's going to be something that I need to address um, moving forward. So we'll see how that plays out. But I've got the guys that I'm looking at, you know, kind of se- at 74 and 77, um, you know, and at uh, 104 and 107. So we'll see how that all pans out. But I'm really excited to start out with, you know, uh, essentially three five category contributors. Right, uh, right now my batting average is going to be. You know, very solid with the 311, 288, and 271 projected batting averages. You know, I've got uh, three guys who are at or above about 20 home runs. And then I've got guys, you know, I've got a combined uh, out of these guys, 45 stolen bases. So a solid little base there to start from. And I love these five category contributors, these balanced profiles, because, you know, it gives you, it's, I've mentioned this multiple times on the pod, but it's kind of like an insurance policy, right? It's like having a diversified portfolio where, you know, if you, um, if one of these guys get injured or, you know, is underperforming, then, you know, I haven't put all of my stolen bases or home runs in one basket. So we'll see how the rest of the the league plays out, but enjoying the start, this is how I kind of planned it uh, starting. This was kind of the ideal scenario. Um, And so excited to see how the draft moves forward in such a highly competitive league.
All right, that's going to wrap us up for episode 60 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope the first base preview along with the catcher preview are um, helping you out. If you do have any follow-up questions, anything like that, please do hit me up on Twitter. Um, and I will do my best to get back to folks. We will cover the second base preview next. Uh, Really looking forward to the upcoming days with the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, This Champions League, the competition is just, you know, it's it's so good in this league. And, um, you know, it's going to be a real, real test. And so I'm really looking forward to that and seeing how this develops. And as I do the podcast, I'll share a little bit about what I'm thinking with different draft picks and stuff like that like I did here and hopefully that is helpful not just in me uh, sharing what I did but also as you as you head into your drafts and thinking about different strategies or you know different options that are uh, that that may confront you and thinking about what you might do in those situations so uh, thank you so much for listening Uh, best of luck with your fantasy baseball research your draft prep Uh, take care and be kind to one another